We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The gated communities and private streets in St. Louis are part of the city's charm and most distinguished neighborhoods, but to many, they also represent something else, division, a desire on the part of the city's elite to remain separate and apart. Our We Live Here podcast team of Camille Stanley and Tim Lloyd wanted to take a closer look, and did, and in their latest episode, look closely at gated streets and what they represent. I'm joined in studio by Tim Lloyd, who tells us about the latest episode of We Live Here. Tim, the name of the game, uh, game as I get it, having listened to the episode, is mm-hmm. is, um, uh, is um, Division, How to... That's right. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, no, no, no problem. So, uh, Don, always good to see you. And yeah. thanks for always, and, you know, as always, for yeah. having us on. Um, yeah. So uh, let me just kind of back up and give you a sort of a sense for how we got started even producing this episode. Uh, we co-produce our show with a company called PRX. Um, and one of our former co-workers was in town walking around the central West End. He had never been in St. Louis as an adult in his life. Uh, and he was walking around and he looks and he sees these gated streets mm-hmm. and he goes, Oh, what's that all about? I mm-hmm. thought gated communities were just things that were supposed to happen in the suburbs. And for months he would sort of pester us. Like you got to do something on gated streets. And we would say, yeah, you know, it's just kind of so who really cares, but we eventually did. And getting into this particular history, it begins to unravel this really tangled web of policy and racism and division and privilege that you can still see in our community today. Yeah. The, uh, how did it all get started? I mean, we're going back 150 yeah. years or more. Yeah. So the first gated street in St. Louis uh, was Benton Place, which is in uh, Lafayette Square. Uh, it was built just after the Civil War. And the wealthy elite uh, in St. Louis uh, were not happy with where they were living, mostly in the urban core at that time, so downtown and decided, you know, what we're going to do is we're just, just going to build our own enclave, essentially, um, on a cul-de-sac, a new mm-hmm. idea for the time. And there were no zoning laws in the city of St. Louis. So what did they do? The developers said, no biggie, uh, rich folks. We'll just go to the state, and they'll give us our own special law for this particular cul-de-sac uh, and put a gate up. And, of course, um, they also had uh, deed restrictions about what could and could not be built there. And who could and could not live there. So black folks could not live in that community. It wasn't only black folks, as I right, understand. Right, that's true. Uh, my, my impression from what uh, I had heard in the uh, podcast is that it was to separate themselves from their workers, their employees. That, absolutely true. So, yeah. again, you get this – when I – you know, following this particular history, I mean, it is. It's, it's a tangled well, a web of privilege and racism and, and policy all sort of mixed together. And it continued, obviously. Right. So in I, different ways. Yeah. I think what it was sort of interesting to me is – so Benton Place was laid out by a gentleman by the name of uh, Julius Pitzman. Uh, he went on to lay out roughly 45 gated streets and private streets in the, in the city of St. Louis and, you know, developed this, these ideas of deed restrictions and protected spaces. Well, fast forward up 
through uh, to the 1970s, and there is uh, an urban planner by the name of Oscar Newman who writes a book called Defensible Space. And he uh, comes up with this idea based on Benton Place that, you know, the way that we're going to improve our communities is just to begin to block off streets. And he comes up with um, the idea of blocking off streets in the city of St. Louis. And that's why you see what sometimes people refer to as shamel pots uh, and the big concrete balls that sit at the end of streets uh, closing off spaces. The thing that they didn't address uh, when they thought about, well, how do we make our communities better places is any of the structural problems underneath Mm -hmm. that, like who gets to, let's say, get credit for a home loan. But, you know, you talk about those fears and you talk Mm -hmm. about those uh, those pots. Most people think they were put there to uh, affect traffic and slow down traffic. But there may be an ulterior motive. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think it depends on how you look at them. But there's to, to me, as, as someone, I've lived in St. Louis for about six years. When I first got here, there's sort of a message, aside from maybe restricting uh, vehicle traffic, there's a message like that That place is sort of walled off. There's sort of an implied sense of, of, of you don't belong on that street mm-hmm. unless you have some direct business to do there. Mm-hmm. And closing off, I think, an open street grid in uh, a city like St. Louis that was an old city built with an open grid – theoretically, where you could get anywhere you wanted to get at any point in time. Um, that, sends a, that sends a message, yeah. You connect the dots on this piece between uh, Benton Place and Canfield Drive in Ferguson and also some real estate out in St. Charles County. Right. So the ideas that built uh, Benton Place ultimately were scaled up at a place uh, – at a big development next to Washington University in St. Louis called – Parkview Place, which has about 250 homes. That model was then really scaled up for the masses in the 40s and 50s. Uh, and ultimately, uh, it you know led to the development of places like Canfield Green Apartment Complex. Uh, again, not having really through streets, uh, places that are walled off and contained. And when you start to mix in policies that reinforce segregation, you begin to see a system that is very, very difficult to dismantle even today. How about St. Charles? Was it Newtown? Is it was Newtown, one? yeah. So Newtown is sort of the, the response uh, to what happened in um, St. Louis County as far as development in places like St. Louis County mm-hmm. all over the country where it's built on this idea of new urbanism. We'll just, make, we'll just go further out and we'll make un- literally a brand new town that will try and become what the old city was mm-hmm you know, 150 years ago. The role of the federal government in all of this. Right. So the federal government, of course, when these models of contained developments with limited access and clear rules about what could and could not be built there, the Federal Housing Authority uh, backs these subdivisions in the 40s and 50s and says you cannot um, sell homes to black folks. Mm -hmm. So there and again, you have a place that is – uh, clearly controlled, is uh, contained as far as what can and cannot be built there and access, and is, uh, you know, homes can only be sold to, to white folks. And really that, that trend continues up until the, the late 60s. I get the impression that you and Camille were, were kind of surprised when you started to peel this onion. You indicated early yeah. on you didn't think anything would come of this. No, I mean, I think, <clears throat> but you know, I, and I know you've done a lot of work in this arena too. You can't really understand race in St. Louis or anywhere in this country until you go back and really understand the, the history of it. And even though, you know, we've obviously produced this show for some time and have a pretty good sense of what that history is specifically to St. Louis, 
pulling at this thread and watching as this as ideas morph and change and are reinforced over time, it's revealing, I think. Is there any positives that come out of this? I mean, some neighborhoods are preserved, and you mentioned Benton Place. It's a, it's a nice, nice gentrified neighborhood. Yeah, you know, the preservationists we worked with uh, to produce this particular show, uh, Michael Allen, had this line where he says, you know, these tools were, you know, they did build something beautiful. There's no question mm-hmm. that if you walk down, say, Benton Place, you'll look at the homes and you'll think those are amazing, and they mm-hmm. are they also reinforced something very, very ugly. Yeah. Well, once again, you've done a great job, well, you thanks, and Camille, Don. with uh, the We Live Here podcast. Yeah. It's available now. Yeah, everywhere. Wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's our line. Yeah. yeah, very, very interesting segment. Thank you so much, Tim Oh, Boyd. thank you, Don. That's it for us uh, for today. Tomorrow on St. Louis on the Air, we'll go behind the headlines to look at the local implications of immigration policy dealing with parents and children. So much in the news these days. And we need your help for that discussion. Even though President Trump has lifted the policy that separated migrant parents from their children, there is continued fallout. How should we respond here in St. Louis? And where do we go from here? You can share your thoughts by leaving us a voicemail at 314-516-NEWS. Again, that's 314-516-6397. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.